Welcome to the Vaughn Nelson Podcast. Today is a third quarter 2021 Vaughn Nelson Select Recap Call. In the third quarter of 2021, Vaughn Nelson Select Strategy returned 3.82% gross, 3.56% net, and that is versus the S&P at 0.58%, which brings the year-to-date total for the Vaughn Nelson Select Strategy to 23.94% gross, 23.05% net, and again against the S&P at 15.92%. With me today is Lead Senior Portfolio Manager, Scott Weber, and with that, Scott, I will turn things over to you. Thanks, Dan. Um, As you mentioned, it was a good quarter. We're pleased with the performance, Uh, but as ever, not fully satisfied. We're working on next quarter and beyond. Uh, the gains that we had in the third quarter were in June and July. market was a little, uh, I guess, more tepid in September as the, uh, the market seems to be internalizing a little bit of a change of tone. Uh, turning to contribution, during the quarter, the financials led all the gig sectors. Um, contribution by sector was pretty much otherwise mixed. Uh, the best contributors at the sector level were financials at 2.8%, give or take, utilities and infotech. We're also up a little bit uh, shy of 1%, um, whereas materials and industrials each gave back a little more than 4%. Um, Roughly, actually a little more than half of our holdings were up for the quarter, and the uh, largest detractors from a contribution standpoint at the security level were in the consumer, energy, and tech space. Flipping over to attribution, the sector-level attribution outperformed with six sectors pulling the weight, healthcare, financials, and industrials leading the way. Energy was weak in the third quarter. It was the largest detractor from a relative standpoint, and our cash position is still in a, in a reasonably normal range. It didn't change much, despite some of the changes we had during the quarter, which was kind of busy from a trading perspective. Um, it's, uh, we, we, it was a little busier than the prior quarter, to be sure. So we booked nice gains in five companies. We sold two that weren't performing according to plan. Um, The result of that was no real big shift from a sector level view. Uh, We also added uh, seven names uh, and it was broadly across the portfolio. So there are really only two in the same sector. And so as you look now to the change in the characteristics of the portfolio, um, the exposures are consistent with our typical profile in that we have high active share we have comparable, maybe a little bit higher valuation on a PE basis, for example, relative to the index. I'd point out that we really don't have a lot in, in, in the way of banks. Banks PE are roughly half the market PE, and since we don't own many, that's a, a reasonable distortion there. Um, our dividend yield is a, a little bit lower than the index. Market cap, a little bit higher, but our ROA is a lot higher, as is our return on equity. Um, Looking now to the factors and how they impacted performance during the quarter, there were detractors or you know style negatives, so to speak, from uh, long vol and short value. Everyone's aware of what value did, particularly in, uh, in September. The sector negatives uh, were from uh, being short discretionary and financials, uh, again, from a factor perspective. And the uh, biggest performance detractor was really from specific stocks and not, not to highlight uh, specific names, but I will point out that Tesla's a big part of the index and it being up 14%, but not in our portfolio meant that we had a relative drag there. Um, 
So the specifics were, you know, an order of magnitude larger than style and sector effects. You know, flipping back to attribution for a second, I'd point out that at the same time, uh, selection effect really drove the alpha, you know, the upside in the portfolio. And so that, that was probably where more, mo where more noise was. We, we had some detractors there, but net, net, we had really nice positive contribution from selection. Um, and so we're, we're pleased with that. Flipping over to the macro view, you know, we, we keep, you can't turn on the, the television or read the newspaper without seeing the word stagflation. Uh, whether or not, you know, the stag part, uh, I, I don't think we have any stagnation yet. There is still growth and reasons to be hopeful for growth. At the same time, um, supply constraints, I mean, everybody's very well aware of the fact that it's difficult to buy a car because you can't get the chip for whatever sensor. Uh, and so there are cars sitting in ports that are not yet complete but have already been imported, just not legally or technically imported. You know, SARS are down around 12 million when I last checked versus a run rate of 17. So th that, you know, there are going to be odd episodic supply constraints, which may be uh, inflationary through certain markets. Uh, but I don't yet think that we're in a stagflationary environment, although I will point out if the equity markets are a discounting machine looking forward to second quarter of 22, just about every business on the planet has a difficult compare because of the, the growth coming out of the, the COVID events of 20. Um, the next big headline question you get a lot of is about an energy crisis. Uh, let's just say I'm glad that I don't live in Germany and depend on Russian gas to heat my home. Uh, but sort, certainly the shortage of natural gas, particularly on the continent, is having a little pull through on oil as well. And oil's been, been trading strongly. Um, I'd rush to point out that our energy names are less cyclically driven from a return standpoint and more idiosyncratic, so we like them longer term. We didn't just buy them because we thought oil was going to be up during the quarter. The market is showing a preference at the moment. Well, it's, it's giving some back, but, but there has been a recent preference for value trades, smaller caps, financials, and energy names. Um, a portion of that has to do with the, uh, the energy discussion we just had, but also with uh, Fed futures and the yield curve moving. Um, whereas, you know, the FANG names, which have carried the load for a number of years, are kind of churning a little bit. Uh, Amazon has not moved that much. Facebook's got some regulatory issues. But uh, suffice it to say that that uh, engine has not been driving the train, uh, certainly not this quarter like it has in the past. The next big headline issue from a macro standpoint is China, especially with respect to uh, their, their reluctance to import Australian coal, that having a knock-on effect to the manufacturing, uh, not being able to, to get power, uh, and then, of course, Taiwan. Um, the busy section for macro this quarter. The next thing I'd point out is you've got a bunch of turnover at the Fed, uh, and you've got a midterm election here in the United States. And... Those two things are, you know, obviously uh, maybe signals of uncertainty that the market might want to take their time digesting. So with that and the fact that the Fed is signaling a taper next month, liquidity is generally less abundant. We've driven down the Treasury General account. You know, it, it's anyone's guess as to whether or not all of those things are great for equities. But um, I would say there's a reasonable chance that there's more noise going forward. And so we're 
treading carefully across those. You contrast that with where we are in a valuation standpoint, and I would say we're not terribly stretched uh, from a valuation standpoint. Um, you know, the, the, the movement of rates and the, and the, all the macro issues we just discussed have taken a little bit of toll on longer duration assets. Uh, the market has probably been trained in a Pavlovian sense to expect policy support, but at the same time, you know, we, we've got signs of inflation. Um, we have low unemployment and the you know, low participation in the quit index is pretty high, so you can't make a labor, labor argument there. So it will be interesting to see what happens from a policy standpoint should there be any hiccup in, in the market. Um, lastly, turning to positioning, there wasn't any real major shift in the quarter. We continue to be overweight tech. Uh, we're overweight telecommunications. We're slightly overweight energy and materials. Uh, we are underweight financials and the consumer, both staples and discretionary, and a little bit underweight healthcare as well. We don't own any REITs. So that kind of takes this quarter and the outlook in a nutshell, and I'll uh, turn that back to you, Dan. Well, good. Well, Scott, that was really great. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the, on the market and looking back at the success, a successful quarter, third quarter. And I uh, look forward to having you back here in a couple months, and we'll catch up on the fourth quarter. And uh, good luck to, on the wrap-up of the year. Thanks, Dan. Look forward to it. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.